Hey, Balls of Magic. Welcome to our next episode of How to Be Queer When You Pretended You Were Straight. My name is Alex, and I have my lovely permanent guest (laughs) here. Yeah. Every week I come on this, and I'm like, hey, I'm back again. It's Kim, pronouns she, her, and... I don't know. I guess I just keep showing up every week. Yeah, you do. I don't know. It's weird. Okay. <laughs> we have a lot of cool things to talk about today. We do. We have wine to talk about. Yes. Um, LGBTQ narratives in television and media. That is Kim's specialty. Yes, it is. Um, Hi. Hey. We'll tell some stories and link all the things together. So if you're if you're listening, thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. Um, I love that Share we have, I love that we have people like listening and following us. That's pretty cool. I know. It feels wonderful. So wonderful and also incredibly vulnerable. Like I'm back in high school and I've walked into a classroom naked and everyone's uh-huh. like, ooh, let's talk about it. I know. Sometimes I'll I'll admit like it's easier just to talk into a phone because I don't really like there's no eyeballs like staring at you. But then we've started to get some feedback from folks that are listening, and it's been wonderful feedback. Yes. Thank you for listening. Absolutely. And it's a little like, oh my gosh, like this is out there. Yeah. Yeah. We're just talking. We're just talking about our life. About stuff. Yep. Um, And there's a bit of bravery, I think, that comes into... So some of the feedback I got was from my mom. Hi, mom. And my sister who have been listening, and they're really enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Isn't that cool? Is your mom watching or listening? Um, I, th- I, I think my sister, hello, <laughs> sister. I think my sister has listened. Yes. Hi, hi sister. <laughs> hi, mom. Older sister. Hi, mom. Okay. So do you want to get into it? Yeah. Let's like dive right let's in. Let's get into it. I mean, we can do the chit-chat. Or we can just dive right in. I think we have a lot a lot to cover today, so we should just, we should, like, two feet, all, like, both hands... Like a cannonball? All the fingers and all the toes. Listen, you looked at me when you said fingers and like... G-rated, Alex. Ah, boring. Okay. So there's two things we wanted to talk about tonight. One being um, different types of media that you and I have been consuming. And then some queer media or media yeah. that people didn't realize was queer. And let's break it down. It's queer as fuck. They just maybe didn't realize that it was. Yeah. And yeah. And my new discovery of what we drank tonight. <gasps> Can we mm-hmm. talk about that first? Because I don't know. Like I, I want them to sponsor me. In li- and just in life, I want them to sponsor me. <laughs> yeah, I, I concur. So a couple. So I am. A, I, I, you know, listen, as a resident Italian, I feel like love of wine is like a duty in my life. Mm-hmm. But um, I can't actually handle it anymore. I I put on the COVID-10, which I direct to the amount of wine consumption we've had over the last year. Um, I and, put and on I, 10 too. Yeah. And I just started to not feel great. Mm-hmm. So we, we've been not drinking, which is kind of boring. Um, and we do because we love a glass of wine. And so I was starting to read reviews of like well what can you do if you can't really drink anymore Mm -hmm. and so while we've been able to enjoy like amazing mocktails and we've kind of stuck with that at least for four nights a week for the nights that we're not enjoying a cocktail it was you know a little bit well what do you drink Mm -hmm. and so I discovered fit 
Vine, F-I-T-V-I-N-E. I don't think this is anything new. I think it's been out for a few years. I just happened to stumble upon it. Yeah, I want to say I even saw an advertisement for it at the place I worked at. Work at. Work at. Yeah. And I have to say, like, it's surprisingly good. Yeah, it's really, it's quite tasty. It's quite tasty. I would never know that this was a low sugar, low alcohol wine. By the way, we're not sponsored by them. We're not, but we should. But we should be. Um, it low alcohol, or same amount of alcohol, so you get that buzzy feeling, which... Mm-hmm. Let's face it, is sometimes needed, <laughs> but lower, low sugar, low carb, low carbs, like low all of the things in wine that can make you feel kind of gross. Yep. So, I drank um, a glass and a half, and I was like, I can't feel my face. Um, <laughs> you were like, Alex, where's dinner? Alex, where's dinner? I can't feel my face. And then our neighbor, our amazing neighbor, whose family to us came over, and we had some some good conversation and mm-hmm. some some wine and. I it, like it was a good night. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yeah, Fit I, fine. What do you, what are we, what's your vote? I'm I'm all in. Um, ha, ha, lots of flames. Is that our like unit Is of measure? It, that's our unit of measure. Like tons of flames on the fit vine. Yeah. Like I'm gonna get up tomorrow morning and go to my CrossFit class and yeah. feel I think pretty good. I'm gonna go lift some heavy shit. I mean, as good as I ever feel in CrossFit. Yeah. Which is, I'm the worst person in the class. <laughs> You're so hard on yourself. <laughs> I am the worst person in my CrossFit class. And <laughs> and seriously, my coach every day is like, you are a special creature. And I'm like, I am. <laughs> Nobody does kipping, kipling. I can't even say the- Kip-ups. Kip-ups. I don't even know what it is. I don't know the names of anything we do <laughs> other than he tells me what to do. Thrusters. And I look at him and I'm like, you need to shut the fuck up. And then I do it. And he laughs at me the whole time. But somehow I managed to get through the class. I, I actually love my CrossFit gym. It's yeah. super fun. Yeah. Goo. Ew. I just turned <gasps> into one of those CrossFit people. It's okay. Do you know what I mean? Like where yeah. no matter what the conversation is, you manage to turn oh, it to CrossFit. Yeah. That's Am funny. I that person? No. That's funny though. It is funny. Yeah. I guess I feel like we had a lot of garlic on our edamame and I can like, it, I don't know. Is, is it hard talking this close with me? No. Am I is stink- it good? Am I stinky? No, you're not stinky. Am you're I not, stinky? You're not stinky at all. You're never stinky to me. <laughs> <laughs> G-rated, Alex. <laughs> so, it's kind of hard. Okay. Okay. Oh, so wow. We're going to talk about. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> you are gay AF. I love you. Okay. I don't know why anybody enjoys listening. Why? To this I know. Why are you? Why are you I listening? Have no okay. idea why. We're moving on. In you and aside. Okay. Okay. So we were going to talk last week. We kind of like went into this deep dive of mental health, and yeah. so this week we were all about. We're going to keep it a little bit lighter, and we are going to talk about. We're going to get to the shows mm-hmm. that we've watched recently that get like all the flames. Yeah. Like all the good things, but there's a little bit of like history at least for me and media for me for me and media like meeting leading up to this point of things that I like loved and things that I hated yeah so you know me I have my google docs open yes well you work in media I work in media yes and so I've got all my notes Mm -hmm. of the things I want to talk about but I know you have pieces of media I do and when we say media we mean movies music tv shows all all anything you consume yeah right yeah um do you want to do you want to go first with things that 
you have, well, what are, so where, I don't even know where to start this. Cause of course I know where I want to start, but where do you want to start? Well, I know because I was, I was just going to say, we've got quite a list, um, but between both of us, things that we've watched individually, things that we've watched, um, together. Maybe we, let's start with the things we've watched together. Okay. So we're going to like things we watched together during COVID cause we were stuck in the house. Yeah. And I, I would say we're not huge TV watchers. Mm-mm. We both tend to listen to music. Um, we both, you know, read or do audible books. Yep. Uh, that is, or, but TV for us is not something that is on a lot. So usually like if we're watching TV, it's about like around bedtime. Yep. We're like bedtime TV watchers and we'll do like a episode or so of a television show. We actually do not watch a ton of movies either. We're, we're like Netflix series people. Absolutely. Yeah. Every once in a while we get a movie, but yeah. Every once in a while we'll throw in a movie, but for the most part we like a we love a series that we can really sink into. Yeah. Go ahead. I was just gonna say I'm ex- I'm so excited about this about about a certain series that, yeah. that I know we'll get to. So we did I, I think when I look back over the year of COVID, there were three series that we did that like really stood out to me. Yep. Um, so the ones that we watched that I'm like, we're just going to mention the name because everybody in the world watched them. We did Tiger King. Oh, uh-huh. Which did have a queer person in it, right? We had the one tiger trainer who I believe she may have been missing a limb. And I use the word she and I, or the pronoun she, and I don't know that she was a she. She could have been a they, them. Um, I believe that he was a trans man. He was a trans man. I'm so sorry that I'm misgendering someone. Yeah. But we did Tiger King and it was one of those things. We got to episode three and we were like, Carol totally fed her ex-husband to the tigers. And then remember, I mean, this is like early in COVID. Yeah. And we totally thought she killed her husband. I'm yeah. I, I just got stuck on, I meant the character. I said it and I didn't, I was, was overthinking like. The what the, are they? The, the person was right. a trans, a man, a trans, a trans man. Yeah. Trans man. Anyway, just want to clarify that. Okay, but I believe we got into Tiger King, and I very quickly was like, Carol fed, oh, her ex husband, who I think was also queer, like, the, or no, yeah. no, no, her current husband. I got all the queer vibes from. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. He. So yeah. we're gonna give that like what, like a one flame. Yeah. Yeah, like everybody we, watched it, so we watched it. Yeah, it was like everybody watched it. Yeah, for, for sure. We we're like, we we're like that was a waste of space and time, but hey, hey, we did it. Right. Check the box. So we also watched. I think it's Selling Sunset. Oh, <gasps> Selling Sunset. Yes. I am going to say, I am not a porn consumer, like porn, like where it's people having sex, but that show is real estate fucking porn. Uh huh. Oh my god, the houses. They're all like ridiculous and beautiful. And I loved the one lady. I mean, I didn't really love her, but I loved watching her with the long blonde hair who has the wedding with like the black gowns and all this stuff. But I got total queer vibes from her. I did too. She was kind of vicious. She was a vicious queer. Yeah. I I didn't know where to sit with her. I wouldn't sit in a room with her. But mm. I mean, like she was like crazy queer vibes. Yeah, I, I, we would have been in a room, and I would have been like, "You, I'm gonna go over on this side of the room. You She's can, got you can some, stay over there." She had some crazy behind her eyes. Yep. Okay. But I would have sat next to 
I, th- I would have loved to sit and have a conversation with, was it Chris, Crystal? We loved her. Who she was, was the one that's married to, was married to the guy from This Is Us. Yeah. We loved her. Yep. I feel like we'd be friends. Totally. She was the most down to earth of, of the whole crew. And she was like really cute. And I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, th- I, I definitely feel like she's your friend that would always show up with a bottle of wine and be like, so what's going on? And would totally. be like super fun to talk to. Okay. Yeah. Then we started getting into one of the best queer shows ever, which was The Fosters. Uh-huh. And there, that thing is like 17 freaking seasons. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We were in that forever. And then it was like, net, it was leaving Netflix and we had to like binge super fast the last season. <laughs> I loved The Fosters. I love the soft. Yeah. M- me too. So if you haven't seen The Fosters, it is a show about um, two, two women, mm-hmm. Lena and Steph. And they um, they get married on the show. Steph is a police officer, and Lena is um, she's a principal. She's a school principal. Yeah. Steph was married to a man. Steph was married to a man and had a biological son, Brandon. Yeah. And then they end up adopting um, other other kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the show is is really just about their family life. Yeah. And it completely like there was nobody like the moms are like totally secure in their sexuality. And their relationship as being two queer moms, and they never made a big deal about them being queer. Yeah, it was just their life, parenting a bunch of teenagers in California, and I loved it. Yeah, I loved it too. They dealt with they dealt with real issues, you know, all sorts of stuff. People with addictions and co-parenting and um, teenage issues, and yeah, just real stuff. And it was amazing. Yeah, and it was amazing. It was an amazing show. Yeah. So we both loved that, and then we went from the Fosters into, and we may need to spend some time here, we went into the new L Word. Oh, yes. So the original L Word, I'm going to let you talk about, because every queer woman I know watched the original series of the L Word. Yeah. You want to talk about it? Well, the first thing that pops up, I don't know what, uh, probably for maybe for a lot of other people too, was was the first person I, first character I think of is Shane. Yeah, and I me think, too. I think for sh- for me, for me, we're going to do that the entire time. Um, <coughs> Shane was incredibly, uh, was aligned with, with a certain level of identity for me. Yeah. But also I really reject, or not rejected, but I just was like, oh, her behavior is so like, you know. So the first series of The L Word, yeah. Shane, and, and most people that watched it will say like Shane is just sexually like, there, she is just she go. They she does go by pronouns she her. Yeah, she does. She's so freaking magnetic, and they even joke about it in the show that whenever they were trying to determine the group of friends in the L word, which is you know Bet and Tina, and oh gosh Alice, yeah. um, and they're all this like amazing group of if you haven't if you're somebody on the face of the earth that has not seen the L word yet, <laughs> you need to watch. You it. need to watch it. But it's this group of friends in Southern California in L.A. And Shane is, and they're all queer, and Shane is their friend that when they go out, if they're trying to determine if another woman is queer, they send Shane in to find out. Shane's the safe gay. Shane is totally the safe gay. Yeah. Explain <laughs> what I mean when I, I call, I call them the gateway gays. The gateway gays. So, so you call me and, and bro friend. Gateway gays. Gateway gays. So, which I guess I never really understood, but Shane's like, 
Well, no, well, you, they, had to expi- well, you had to explain what a gateway gay is. Okay, maybe you should say it. No, you just you can tell everyone. What is a gateway well, I, gay? Uh, a gay, gay like, a, like for women, if you're a masculine presenting gay, well, for me, like I'm assigned female at birth, but I'm, you know, so like I'm safer because yeah. I present more masculine versus someone like you. Who's like super femme. Who's femme. Um, another, f- not another femme woman. You don't like experiment. I, I don't know what it's like. I always say that if you are think if you are thinking about experimenting and experimenting, or exploring, is such a- exploring, exploring if you is are better thinking word. About exploring your queerness. Chances are you're not going to do it with another femme woman. You are more than likely going to do it with a woman who is more masculine presenting. And that is jokingly what I call <laughs> you and bro friends, that you guys are the gateway gays, much like marijuana, <laughs> right? The gateway drug. But there tends to be amongst um, bi-curious women that it seems that, you know, the more masculine presenting lesbians, you know, they're the, they're the gateway. And then, you know, you start making out with a woman and you're like, why did I ever make out with a man? And then you're like open to all the lesbians. But usually your first blush with with some type of of lesbian experience a lot of times yeah. might be a gateway gay. Anyway, anyway, Shane is to me like the original gateway gay. Yeah. And everyone like she's a mess, but we love her. She's a mess. She's endearing. She's she's uh de- wanting to find love. She's charismatic and um, and she's hot. And like she's, she's hot just and, hot. Yeah. But then there's a whole slew of other characters in the original L word that, you know, I always loved Alice. I'm like, Alice and I could have totally been best friends and dated and she's quirky and she's funny and she's always messing up relationships. And then she falls in love with her best friend and their best friend freaking dies. Yeah. Can, can we also acknowledge? The, Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. We got acknowledge the storyline when Shane and Carmen were together. I was livid at Shane because Carmen, I was, okay. Kim looks like Carmen. That is not true. You do. There's, there's, some, there's similar, some similarities. There's some similarities. And so I'm like, Shane. What are you doing? Because <laughs> Shane totally fucks it up. Oh, it's awful. It's yeah. like a trait. Like you can't. It's, oh, my heart was breaking for both of them. Right. Because Shane finally meets and gets together with Carmen. Yeah. Who's like this amazing woman. And inevitably Shane completely fucks it up. Uh-huh. And you really identified like yourself with Shane. I think, yes, for certain for certain things. Um, yeah. Okay. Presentation and things like that. But anyway, what, yeah. Yeah. So I we could talk about the L word forever. We could go. To we that didn't even talk about time. Jenny. We didn't even talk oh about Bet. Oh my gosh! Bet. Okay, yeah. but we got to move to. So one of the things we binge watched during COVID was the the new L word. Oh, the new L word. The yeah. new L word, which does bring back a lot of these characters, but it also introduced us to some new people. Yes, and we had some really strong feelings about one of those characters. And right now their name is completely escaping me, but all I'm going to say is armpit hair. What was her name? Oh, they, I think they were non-binary. Non-binary. Right. Uh, Finn. Finn. Yeah. 
Wait, we got to go back really quick to Max. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Back to the original L word. Just real quick. I want to backpedal just for a hot second because, and there's been, there's, there's articles out there that people have written about this, um, but that the way the show, I feel like that I also resonated deeply when I, at the time when I didn't understand myself as, as well as I do now, but with the character of Max. And I think the one thing that I think the show kind of messed this part up because it was once again portraying a trans person as not really authentic to. So they put him, he was on hormone therapy and he was transitioning um, to him, to, you know, revealing himself. And they played out those narratives that like he's on testosterone and he's like this roid rager. And I'm like, that's actually like really harmful if you're, if you're, if you're, you know, so, so that part was like, we're going to circle back to this because this is a whole thing called burying your gaze. And we're going to circle back to this once we get through our, like all parts of media that we loved during COVID. But okay. So the new L word we did, we did both really enjoy. Yes. The new one. Yep. Except for the armpit hair that was on display. (laughs) I still am not down with it. <laughs> I'm not down. Like you do you boo, but it was a lot of freaking hair. <laughs> and you're laughing because you know I'm right. It was the I think bushiest right. armpit hair I've ever seen on another human being. So I'm just going to leave that there. But watch the new L word. Ended on a huge cliffhanger, which yeah. we're dying to know when season two, hopefully season two is going to come out. Was it because Finn was assigned female birth? I, d- I don't care what you're assigned. <laughs> there is such a thing as s- like, like scaping the body, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, and I don't even mind body hair. No, yeah. But this was <laughs> excessive. It's like Bert and Ernie. <laughs> I don't know what it was, but I'm like, every time they would raise their arm, I'm like, I can't hear anything. I can't look away. All I can see is someone hand me like a little pair of scissors. Even to just trim it, it would have been okay. <laughs> oh, shoot. That's a li- but you know, you're laughing because you know I'm laughing because right. it's true. It's true. Okay. okay. There's truth to it. All right, so now we're going to go. But you do you, boo. I know. With and, all the and armpit I'm like, hair. That was a lot of freaking hair. Okay. Okay. Because you know if it exists in one place, it exists in all places. <laughs> oh. And now I'm going to move on. Okay, okay, let's move on. Um. Okay, so this was our cry <gasps> fest. Oh, this was the best one ever. This was. Bly Manor. Like, we both ugly cried at this shit. Yep, we absolutely did. Bly Manor. Yeah. The haunting of Bly Manor. What were their names again? Jamie. Jamie and, and Danny. Danny. Yeah. So Bly Manor, oh my God, if you haven't watched it, which, which really every self-respecting lesbian I know has watched it at this point, and it's, it's yeah. not a ghost story. It starts off as a ghost story. So you, 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 you have to just keep, you have to see it through. Right. And it's the same, like it's the haunting of Hell House and then Bly, the haunting of Bly Manor is like the second, the second series. We did watch both, mm-hmm. um, both series. We liked Bly Manor a lot better. Yep. But Bly Manor is not a ghost story. It's actually a love story. It is. It is a deeply, like I, the story of, of Jamie and Danny. And so I don't want to give away too much if people haven't watched it yet. Um, yes, it's scary. Yes, it's intense. 
but it is one of the most beautiful love stories I've ever, I've ever had the privilege of watching Mm -hmm. um, about unconditional enduring, uh, enduring love. Uh And I'm going to, we're going to come back to this when we talk about burying of the gays and how this to me does not fit into the narrative of just killing off a gay character because that's what people would do screenwriters and whatnot would do. But I love when I think I'm going into a series where, ooh, we're going to be scared. And I think we even watched it like around the time of Halloween. Yeah. We were watching it in the fall. And there are parts of it, you know, where Danny, um, Danny was, is an American and she, um, and it takes place in the 80s. And she, you know, has um, a relationship with a man that ends abruptly. I don't want to give away too much of why it ends abruptly. And she ends up coming to this manor to be essentially a, a governess or a nanny to two small children. And there's obviously some creepy shit that's going on at the house. Yep. And Jamie is the gardener who works at the house. Yeah. And as they are kind of uncovering um, the different, like the haunting basically that's happening at this house they fall in love. Mm-hmm. And eventually at the end of this, they are going to spend a considerable amount of time together as a real couple. They actually end up moving to Vermont yeah. at the ends of it. And I don't want to give away what's going to happen um, because it's so worth watching. Mm-hmm. Um, if you it's haven't beautiful. watched it, the beautiful love story that this felt like one of the most authentic relationships that I've seen displayed of queer characters where it didn't feel contrived. I think that's why I cried so hard. Yeah. It didn't feel like it was put on as some type of like fetishized, um, fantasy. Mm -hmm. It just felt like two individuals deeply in love with one another. Absolutely. Like that gets probably one of my highest flame ratings. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I I agree. All the flames, all the flames and the rainbows and, and the unicorns. Um, there's one movie we watched that was very high flame rating for us, Yeah, which was again at the Christmas season, Mm -hmm. Christmas fall season. And that was called the happiest season, happiest season, which was Kristen Stewart. Um, Dan Levy is in it. Uh, Victor Garbo, Mary Steenburgen. And this again was, and I can't remember the, the girl who plays, um, Harper, who plays the love interest of, of Kristen Stewart. But again, like what a great movie that is, ba- it is a queer, it is a lesbian love story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess I'm, I was hesitating because I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to give away too much if, but maybe it's, you know. Maybe, but maybe if you haven't talk, seen it, I would see- just say like, this is, this is one to see where it's a depiction of, I think a real, um, because they're not questioning their sexuality or their love. They're not. There's They've got no other issues happening, but They have other issues happening and and but it was a it was a great love story and it was like a holiday movie. Mhm. And I'm trying to think like do we have any other holiday movies that are about queer couples or they're always they're always hetero? I can't think of anything off the top of my head. I don't know if like Lifetime or Hallmark, they've, they've, they, I know they've got like the all month of Christmas movies if they ever show um, same sex couples, but this was a great Christmas movie. We'll probably end up watching it every, every Christmas. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And then my last, and this is the show to end all shows for me. 
of, of just if we're rating it by like a queer factor, right? Because there's other TV shows that I've loved that um, have absolutely zero queer characters on them. Mm-hmm. But Shit's Creek. Yep. I can't talk enough about what Dan Levy and Eugene Levy, but mostly Dan Levy, was able to do for the for for queer or not queer, the level of authenticity and and just I mean, his whole thing about the wine, right? The oh, example, and most uh-huh. people talk about this where he talks about, do you like red wine? Do you like white wine? Do you, do you like red that was once a white wine? His whole analogy that he gives of his sexuality and then basically says, I really don't care about, I like the wine. I don't really care about the label. Mm-hmm. I have seen that used so many times now to describe uh, gender, to describe sexuality, orientation. I really think that it's one of the best TV shows I've ever watched. Um it's like my gold standard now as far as, a, as a, a, I mean, a show that is just really funny um, with great character development. But then also a depiction, the central couple in it is a gay couple. Mm-hmm. And the reality and the care that that story is told is one of the best love stories I've ever seen on television. Yeah. I was just thinking I, it would be something I, I hope someday we can get, you know, something that we would re, re-watch with the kids. I would hope so. I yeah. mean, you know, for most people I think have seen this, and if you haven't, like, it's on Netflix, binge it, watch it. But really when you start getting to season three or four and the two characters of David and Patrick meet and you see how their story unfolds and that again, like it's this modern depiction of what a queer relationship is where you enter into it and you're not really questioning your queerness. Um, neither one of you is psychotic. Mm-hmm. You're, you're watching two people fall in love and you know, you're supposed to kind of like, it's like any couple falling in love mm-hmm. and you get a real depiction of it. And I just, you know, there's no tragic AIDS story. There's no coming out of the closet and then, you know, into the fire. There's no homophobic hate crime that happens. Um, they're not, you know, psychotic in any way. It's just this loves, you just get to watch a love story, mm-hmm. which felt really great. Mm-hmm. I love that show. What else we got? So do we want to go like travel back into history now? Okay. So do you remember the first, there was one movie I know you wanted to really talk about that really landed with you when you were a younger person? Yeah, Boys Don't Cry. So do you want to talk a little bit about what Boys Don't Cry meant to you? Yeah. And tell everybody, first, what, what is Boys Don't Cry about? So Boys Don't Cry is the story about Brandon Tina and Hilary Swank played the role of Brandon Tina and in the movie came out in, I believe in, um, it's like 1999, the maybe? end of 1999. Yeah. And, um, I wrote a piece about it for, uh, transgender day visibility. Um, but that basically like, and they never even talk about Brandon being, being trans, but, but you know that, you know, he is. And I found myself in the movie theater watching it two or three, two to three or four times and I would just like 
cry through it. And I didn't understand like why I was so like why I kept putting myself through going to back to the movie theater over and over again. And, um, but Brandon was left home and, and was setting out to make a, a, a life for him and himself and fell in love with the girl. But, um, you know, it's tragic. It's, it's a tragic story too. It's really tragic. So yeah. Brandon Tina, um, was murdered. He was, he was murdered and, but had really been, it definitely was, was not, it was not an easy road for, for Brandon, um, had been sort of in trouble with a little bit of the law, had been moving around, um, from different States, uh, finally, you know, kind of lands, I think it's like Nebraska where he ended yeah. up, um, falls in love with a, with a girl and, you know, inevitably, um, is kind of found out by some of the people around, um, this girl that he had fallen in love with, had gotten into a little, I think there was in real life, I don't know how much it was depicted in the movie, but there was definitely some, some legal, um, trouble, but it, which is, you know, absolutely no, in no way Brandon met a fate that he should have never met. Yeah. Um, I do believe that the the men that were responsible for murdering him, I believe that they're still in jail. Yeah, it was Brand- I think it was Brandon or his girlfriend's like brothers or cousins or something like that. Uh, but they do he he they do murder him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so boys don't cry is the story of sort of the last couple weeks of his life. Yeah. Yep. Um, Hillary Swank ended up winning an Oscar for her portrayal of Brandon Tina. Um, but it was a movie that really stuck with you. Yeah. I think also, you know, like after I saw the movie, I, I was really, I got, I attached deeply to Hillary Swank. So I remember like following her and her, and then her career. And I think I attached part of Brandon, Brandon's identity because she, um, in order, you know, this, here's this whole like idea that, you know, he, here, here it is. You don't, you don't have a trans character playing a trans person. Right. So, so there's that, but this was back when, you know, whatever, whatever. So that, that the Hillary had lived and tried to live as Brandon had, had tried to live as a man for so many months up to, um, filming this film. And so, that was like confusing and also super enchanting for me. And then um, also they had, there was, there was a character, like there was a friend that got completely cut out. Oh, so there was a friend in real life, but they cut it out of the movie. Yeah. And he, okay. and, 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 and he was a black guy. Oh, well. <laughs> and that was a whole other. Talking about white erasure. Oh, white erasure. Exactly. So, but um, yeah. So. But Brandon, um, the movie meant a lot to me and he was, I didn't know that that's really what I was watching, that it was, it was a transgender man, but that I was drawn to it for reasons that now make more sense to me now, um, that he was the first person they saw on screen, but then also the first trans and trans mask and then what happened to him? I'm mm-hmm. like, well, I don't want to live like that. Like, I don't want to get killed for being myself. Mm-hmm. And I think, I don't think consciously, because I didn't think that consciously, but I know on some level I was like, I don't want 
this is scary. It's scary to be trans. That's that was the the message I had for a long time. Well, and at the same time that that movie had come out, Matthew Shepard had also been brutally murdered in Wyoming. Yeah. Um, we were seeing, you know, it, it did not always feel, and it still isn't. I mean, I just read again today that we're at something like our 15th death this year of a black trans uh, woman, um, again, in this country that it, it goes incredibly underreported. And, you know, black trans um, women tend to, you know, are, are continuing to be completely victimized, um, which tends to be at the hands of, of white men. Um, so the, the fear that, that there is to be a trans person is very, very real. But I think with the story of Brandon Tina and Boys Don't Cry, it's one thing to, um, you know, we read stories about violence all the time. Um, and then there was this movie, and, and I remember the movie being, it is, very, it is fairly graphic in the way that they show what happens to Brandon Tina. Mm-hmm. And it is gut-wrenching. Yep. I don't know another word for it. Yeah. Other than it is gut wrenching to learn um, what happens to him. Yeah. So um, I give the Hillary Swank and and the the makers of that movie. Um, it was very bold what they did, um, especially Hillary Swank in, in earning an Oscar and in, in in her performance of his life. Um, but it's hard to watch. It is hard to watch. And, and yeah, I remember reading an article about like when they got to that scene, when they had to film it, you know, mm-hmm. cause I was following Hillary and all her, all the things. And when they actually like the, the murder scene. Yeah. Like there, well, there was the first part the, 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 the rape scene mm-hmm. and then into the murder scene and that it was like, you know, how everyone tried to take care of each other in between takes and cause yeah, it was cause so it's brutal. It's brutal. Um, I'm going to move us to a little bit of a lighter, lighter note, but one of the um, first movies that I remember seeing what I had recognized as a queer relationship and nobody talks in the movie about the fact that it's a completely and total queer relationship is, and you can come at me listeners, but (laughs) I am right about this, is Fried Green Tomatoes. Yay. Or if you read the book Fried Green Tomatoes at the Whistle Stop Cafe. But same, same, same story. And the story about Ruth and Iggy and the fact that they were totally in love. Yep. And totally queer as fuck. And we're never going to mention it in the movie. But oh, my God, how freaking real was their relationship? Um, And so what I remember, you know, more than anything, it's such an amazing story. It takes place in the Depression era. Um, where they, you know, I, I won't ruin it if you haven't seen it, but go watch this movie. Jessica Tandy is in it, Kathy Bates, um, Mary Stuart Masterson, and oh my God, her name is totally escaping me and she plays Ruth and it'll, it'll come back to me. But they, you know, the, the story is you can watch their flirtation and their love and the connection that the two characters of, of, of Ruth and Iggy have together um, there's a couple scenes where they're swimming in a lake, um, they're giggling, they're kissing, they completely and totally had each other's back all through life. Um, it is one of the most moving and beautiful movies I've ever seen. And no one mentions the fact that they were totally 
queer and in love with each other. It's just kind of hinted at in certain scenes. Yeah. But it absolutely like explodes off the screen for me when I watch it. Have you seen it? Uh, Yeah. And I remember because Mary Stuart Masterson's character is Iggy is Iggy and Iggy, you know, like I remember they, they portrayed her more as the more of the masculine, the masculine. And so, um, who was the? I'm sorry. Who was the Ruth other? Ruth is the other Ru- woman, but I can't remember the name of the woman that plays her. But it'll come. It'll come to me later. So I remember feeling. Remember, I remember when I was seeing it, like that she was more aloof and kind of like you know. But you knew that they were had a connection, mm-hmm. but that that um, Iggy had more of a a grit to her, and that that was more like it just. Well, maybe I felt it because there was something going on there, but. Anyway. But, but one of my like favorite movies of all time, one of the best movies I've ever seen. Um, but it is totally, I mean, like I couldn't even give that movie, like how many flames are there in the world for me to give that movie? <laughs> so um, if you haven't seen it, you need to go and watch that movie. But I, I think for TV, so, you know, here it is where we're in the future. We've talked about sort of the present day of, of you know, Bly Manor and Schitt's Creek. And then some of our first brushes with movies, yours being Boys Don't Cry, mine being Fried Green Tomatoes. But there was a time, and I get real fired up about this, about the, the when we went into like, I think it's like the late 90s, early 2000s. Okay. And TV especially and mainstream America becomes obsessed with the lesbian kiss episode, which is... And shows like Friends, um, Ally McBeal, I think L.A. Law did this. Um, you saw it in uh, uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer had a queer, well, although I think that that was actually longer storytelling. Um, but it is, it is known as the, as even Vulture does like a secret history about it, which is called the Lesbian Kiss episode, where it is, you know, a, a tactic that was used for ratings, basically, of a of a, a straight character, all of a sudden has some type of connection to a gay woman. They kiss, or something happens in this episode, typically around the rating season of the of the show, and then the gay character just like disappears, and nobody ever talks about it again. So, if people remember the example of like the Friends episode, Jennifer Aniston. Rachel's character, all of a sudden Winona's Winona Ryder is there. They're talking about how Rachel like supposedly made out with her at some college party. They kiss, and then we never hear about Renona Wider Renona Wider's character again. Okay. So basically it's like for a long time they had set up these episodes because they found out that they were getting these huge ratings from having these these two women basically kissing in an episode. And then they would just move on like it never happened. And it's so voyeuristic Mm -hmm. and it's so fetishizing and it's so gross. And this was like a period of almost like five or six years where if you, if you people remember, like think about the movie wild things where it was so hyped up to have this sex scene between Nev Campbell and Denise Richards where Matt Dillon, I don't know what the heck he was doing. He was just hanging out and got to be a part of it. Um, you think about Cruel Intentions, where Sarah Michelle Gellar and, and Selma Blair are kissing, has nothing to do with the plot of the movie. Nothing at all. It's just completely voyeuristic and fetishizing of two women kissing. Um, it's exploitive. It's, it's objectifying. And 
it goes on. Like we do this for like, like all these years to get these ratings. Yeah. And then we, we start as a society media starts doing a lot better in the way that they portray, um, lesbian or, or by, um, bisexual relationships. But for a long time, it feels pretty gross the way it's showing up in media. I mean, the other thing I think about is at the MTV Movie Awards where Madonna kisses Britney Spears and then kisses Christina Aguilera. And again, it was like, it was completely exploitive of people who are actually queer and are in queer relationships and it's debasing you down to what are these women going to do together? Right. And it's the objectification that I think it, 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 it's just, it's really uncomfortable mm-hmm. to me to see how it's fetishized. Yep. Me too. <laughs> I'm agreeing. <laughs> I can get really angry about when I see objectification and debasement of any human being. Um, so from there, from the, the sort of, you know, period where, we're spending a lot of time fetishizing um, this, you know, lesbian kiss episode. And if you're interested in seeing it, just Google um, Vulture Secret History of Television and it's episode four where they go into the lesbian kiss episode. But then we kind of go into this period that we refer to as like bury your gaze. Um, and so from 2015 to 2016, there's a period where 42 lesbian or bisexual characters are killed off of shows so do you have a, a list of like what, what i i do who who What's i mean 42 th- is a lot of characters 42 to kill is off a lot here but the way that they categorize this period of time is that we tended to look at gay characters even even previous to this especially if you look back even even prior like way prior to 2015 that the way that we depicted queer or transsexual individuals in media was that they were, if you were transsexual, you were, you were psychotic. If you were transgender, you were somehow, I'm sorry, I'm saying transsexual and that's completely wrong. Transgender. Well, I mean, I I do think some people still use that for themselves. Use that for themselves. But yeah, transgender. But transgender, I apologize. So transgender, you know, the most probably famous one that people are aware of is like, you think of Buffalo Bill and Silence of the Lambs, yeah. um, Norman Bates and Psycho. Um, these characters that, it, you know, if you were depicting someone um, within the community, it was almost always attached with them being under some type of like mental psychosis. We also tended to show queer characters that, you know, it was you know, jokingly, like it would be the person that dies first, right? You would kill off the queer character. Um, It was almost always storytelling that would be resulting in suicide, right? That a queer character would not be able to handle their queerness. Therefore, you know, there was some type of suicide. I even think of like Glee did this, right? Glee did this with Kurt and um, the the football player that was always bullying him. Kowalski, Kowalski, something like that. yes. So it, it's like the queer, the storyline, it's like they can't see past just the, the darkness of, you know, suicide or attempted suicide. Um, we're almost always seeing characters that are being faced with some type of hate crime. Um, you know, you come out of the closet and it's directly into some type of, 
you know, they're either killed or they're harmed or they're somehow punished. And so the psychology behind that is that it's actually hinting to the fact that queer people get what they deserve. That yeah. even if, but that is the message that it's subliminally kind of sending, which is really fucked up. Super. But if you look back over um, media of queer individuals, that is typically the way that they show it, is that they don't show stories like Shit's Creek, right? Where these two couples, these two men are queer, and they get into a relationship together, and life works out. And it doesn't just work out, it works out beautifully. For a long time in media, we didn't get that story. Mm-hmm. That's a cough. So, <coughs> like... <coughs> You know, I think I'm going, my, my brain's going back to decades and decades previous where, you know, um, I get, I think I'm just thinking of the, of the interesting intersections of like when media and TV and well, when well, first it was movies mm-hmm. started and then it was, then we had television. Um, and then of course how people were, were viewed and, and, and portrayed and um, dehumanized from, for... Well, or that it's just such a singular way to tell a story about the queer experience is that you're... um, Oh, that just went black. Is it still... It's still gone. It's just such a narrow lens in which to tell a a story about what being queer is. It doesn't always... You know, of of course there's, there's hard parts about being queer, but to narrow down someone's experience to just that is a really narrow way of, of looking at someone's life. Yeah. And so on some level, you know, you and I had watched, um, visible, which is a a series on Apple TV, which is about, um, the progress of, of the LGBTQ community through the lens of media. And one of the things I learned that's like incredibly interesting is, is about the golden girls. Yeah. So so the Golden Girls is, you know, this iconic show, this like pillar, like gold standard of of comedic genius. And the Golden Girls are based off of drag queens. Drag queens. Yeah. Is what their characterization is actually based off of. It is the way that drag queens actually speak and do comedy. That's what the show's based on. But it would it would be more um palatable i guess it was more palatable to write their characters as older white women yep and that is what the golden girls is based off also for anyone that watched designing women this was also there were the the woman that created it and you can watch her interviews i think it's um diane english might be her name i i'm terrible at remembering people's names but she had said that show there is a ton of queer culture I mean, this explains so much that these were my favorite shows growing up too. But that show, again, it is there is an undercurrent of that is actually a depiction of queer life. That Dixie Carter's character of Julia Sugarbaker, there are conversations that Juliet Sugarbaker has that to come directly from Diane English's life of of being on um, a, a ward with a bunch of men who were dying from AIDS. And some of the speeches that Juliet, Julia Sugarbaker comes in and does are taken directly from what her experiences were being on that ward. And so it, it's amazing to me that the way that we were showing gay culture in media was to either show it through this lens of like, 
someone's going to die, someone's going to commit suicide, someone's going to have a hate crime. But then we put real gay culture embedded into straight heteronormatives of women living out these narratives. Yeah. Like it's fascinating to me that that's the way they were doing it. It makes me think about Full House where it was the three guys raising the kids and they were in San Francisco. Right. Like, like what were we really what talking we're really about here? talking about here? Well, and Aunt Becky's going to jail, or I think she's in jail. She's she bye bye Becky. <clears throat> so yeah, I don't know. There's there's so many, you know, ways I think that we can look back historically of the depiction um, of 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 queer culture that it we've gotten so much better as a society mm-hmm. of, 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 you know, going farther and telling and doing real storytelling around queer relationships and not just resorting it down to, Oh, these two women are going to kiss. Let's get, let's get ratings. Mm-hmm. Um, or these two women are going to kiss. And it's somehow this depiction of like this male fantasy that he somehow gets to be there for because spoiler alert, that's not actually what lesbian relationships are like. Right, we don't actually invite men into our bedrooms with us. Right, um, we don't all of a sudden come out and then die in like fiery car crashes. You know, like mm-hmm. we go on living. Um, so it's it is amazing to me the narrow um, lens in which these stories were told, and how when you do look at shows like Schitt's Creek or Bly Manor, um, The L Word you know, the fosters, that there's, it's just a story. It's just that the couple is, is two folks of the same gender, but it's the same stories. Mm-hmm. We, we, we forgot a show. What show did we forget? The Politician. Oh, <gasps> we did forget. There's queerness all over that. Non, non-binary and queerness and all sorts of stuff. I loved that I show. I loved that show. Love we binged it. the shit out of that second season too. Yep. Yes. Um, what is his name? Who? Um, ben Platt. Ben Platt is absolutely brilliant, brilliant in that show. Yeah. But again, like, so I love the politician, uh-huh. and I and I think that there's a number of like queer relationships. There's a non-binary individual in it. It does a great job with the storytelling. But think of you know the 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 first episode of that show is we know that there's a relationship that exists between the two main characters, both being men and it ends in, yeah. And yep, totally. And so again, like we don't, I don't want to try to like spoil it, but again, it's like the erasure of the queer experience because the people that are writing it kind of sometimes really just see it ending in some of these horrific ways. And I don't, that's not, there's so much more to tell. Yeah. Like how life is this so hard because it's this and it's, yeah, no. And so I think Ellen DeGeneres um, with her show had obviously done a really great job of, you know, she had written, you know, the Ellen show. This is obviously for anybody that's younger and listening. This is long before she was a, t- a, a talk, talk show host. Um, but in her comedy, her sitcom, she eventually, her character comes out as gay and everyone you know, outside of the show, like celebrates it for a hot second. And then in real life, Ellen DeGeneres basically loses everything. Yeah. And is completely, you know, ousted from the public eye um, because of her queerness. And it takes like 20 years for her to actually come back and be what we would, you know, have a, and she still has never had a sitcom again, 
but she now has, you know, I don't know exactly what's going on with Ellen DeGeneres now. I know there was a lot of controversy with her over the last year. Yeah, I saw an article and I didn't read it yet, but I saw an article about she was talking about a night that um, she drove under the influence in Parsha and ended up in the hospital. That was the ta- that was the headline. So I'm sure there's obviously way more that was the, yeah. caught my attention, of course. And there was obviously but, some other stuff last year with her and the way that the her treatment of people on her staff. On the staff, and yeah. Regardless of where she is today, at the time the, that I'm referring to, you know, this would be back in the '90s where she had been on the cover of Time saying, "Yep, I'm gay." Um, you know, Laura Dern is her love interest on the show. Oprah Winfrey plays her therapist. It was a huge moment in pop culture. Mm-hmm. And she, Ellen DeGeneres lost everything. She lost her show. She lost, I mean, I, I, well, lost everything, I guess, is being a bit dramatic, but was really kind of erased from the public eye because we couldn't, what, as a society, we didn't want to watch a sitcom that was about a woman finding love or looking yeah, for love. Yeah, like a successful gay woman. Yeah. Yeah. So you think about like where we are now. How do you feel about where we are now? Um, I think things are really, really different. I think still think there's a lot of work to do. Um, I think I'm grateful for the language and and the experiences. You know, for our kids are really different. Um, and you know, there's there's a lot more awareness out there. So. Well, Balls of Magic. That's our stuff that we've been watching. Yeah. We're coming up on the one hour mark, so. Let's wrap it up. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Reach out to us. Reach out to us. Um, Let's see. Subscribe, share, and I was going to give you an email, but I feel like. We're having email issues. <laughs> We're having email issues. Well, you well, how know to, where to find us. Yeah, you can find us on TikTok. Um, I, I actually just changed my um, handle. You can still find it, but um, Alex the Human Human. Oh, I like that. Not the Alex the Human Boy. I learned about the, but I learned something about the term boy, B-O-I. Yeah. And I am, I am shifting. Appropriation Appro- of culture. Yes. So, okay. so there's that. Um, so Alex the Human Human, you are Kim Salvaggio. 101. 101 on TikTok. And then um, How to Be Queer podcast, alexkim at gmail.com. Or you can just message us as well on TikTok or yes. So thanks for listening. Subscribe, share. And we'll see you next time. And we'll see you next time. Let us know what you want to hear about. Bye-bye. <laughs> oh, no. There we go.